When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, nerds. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I'm Liv, your devoted myth nerd who's writing the script hours before the premiere of the final season of Game of Thrones, so kind of thinking about other mythologies right now, but I'm powering through, because I can't think of a way to make a Game of Thrones-related episode. Oh, it's been so long. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you all for holding out these past two weeks as I took a little break. It was both lovely not to stress about when I'm going to write and record the next episode, and sad because Lord knows I want to talk about myths all the time, and my poor staff at work can only handle so much. 
So I'm back in your ear holes just in time for another installment of our Zodiac Constellation series. I've also got a purring cat in my lap, so, you know, fair warning for you audiophiles. Mini-myth. Zodiac Constellations. Definitely not overreacting. Aries, the Golden Ram. Where and when our story takes place is Boeotia, during the rule of Athamas, which is a name that sounds more like something from Tolkien than Greek mythology, and I'm totally okay with that. Athamas is the ruler of Boeotia, and brother of our old friends Sisyphus and Salmonius. So, you know, take from that what you will. Athamas's wife is Nephili, though theirs is not true love. It was Hera who instructed the marriage of Athamas and the personified cloud that Zeus created to fuck with Ixion. For more details on that, make sure you've listened to my Ixion mini-myth. It's a real thrill ride. So Athamas and Nephili are married, and together they have two sons, Phrixus and Lucon, as well as a daughter, Heli. But a happy marriage it is not. Weird, I mean, you'd think when a goddess forces you to marry, you're going to have a happily ever after. But no. It seems Nephili is just not into her husband. In fact, she dislikes him pretty greatly. Athamas, meanwhile, resents being hated by his wife. It's a whole thing. These people are not happy together. And what can sometimes happen when a couple isn't happy? Bingo. Adultery. Athamas ends up meeting another woman and falling in love with her. This woman is Ino, daughter of one of my two all-time favorite couples, Cadmus and Harmonia of Thebes. Athamas and Aino begin meeting up secretly. He brings her to his palace at the foot of a mountain where they, you know, do what people do when they're having affairs. And bam, Athamas now has two more children, this time with Aino. They are Learchus and Melikertes. But subtle these two were not. Nephili hears about Athamas's indiscretions from the servants at the palace, and while she doesn't particularly like her husband, she also doesn't want him fucking other women, so she's pissed. God, you guys, this is such a healthy relationship. Nephili is infuriated when she learns that not only has Athamas been carrying on this affair with Ino, but now they have two sons? <sighs> so she goes to see Hera, the woman who forced her to marry this dude in the first place. Nephili rants and raves at Hera about how Athamas has behaved, and, well, as you might expect, Hera is pretty well-versed in situations such as these, and she sides with Nephili. She has been there, and been there, and been there, and, well, you get it. Hera, in her anger at Athamas on behalf of Nephili, vows that she will personally ensure that Athamas and his house have some swift vengeance brought down on them. Always something you want. The most frequently cheated on goddess pissed at you for cheating. I mean, she can't really take her anger out on her own husband. He's an asshole and the king of the gods. So you can imagine the anger she's directing at Athamas right now isn't all on behalf of Nephili. It's also probably a lot of Hera's own pent-up fury at Zeus. A bad combo, to say the least. 
With Hera on her side, Nephili returns home to her husband and lets him know that the goddess is out to get him. I bet she loved having that conversation too. I mean, confronting your husband for cheating and getting to tell him that you've told on him to the goddess of marriage and she's going to rain eternal godly vengeance on him for it? So satisfying. Armed with this information, Nephili orders the men of Boeotia to kill Athamas, lest they instead have to wrestle with Hera's fury. But the men of Boeotia don't think little old Hera can do much damage. That's right, they side with the man over the goddess. Can't say I'm surprised by this, but honestly, sometimes it gets so tiring seeing these examples of patriarchal bullshit. I mean, you can always assume a goddess is going to do more damage to you than a human male. She's a goddess. So the men of Boeotia aren't willing to kill their king, and the women of Boeotia, it turns out, are big fans of Ino and more than happy to pick her over Nephili, leaving our cloud woman at a bit of a loss. Ino, meanwhile, is plotting. She convinces the women of Boeotia to fuck with the harvest. Something about parching seed corn, which makes absolutely no sense to me because, as I've had to say a weird number of times in this podcast, I'm not a farmer. Anyway, they fuck with it is what matters. They fuck with the harvest, ensuring that it will fail. And when it fail, Athamas will have to seek the guidance of our wonderful, incredible, maniacal oracle. But this is not a story of the oracle, unfortunately. You see, Ino had also plotted with some of Athamas's servants, ensuring that they would bring back a fake answer from the oracle, They would tell him that the oracle had advised that the only way to bring back the fertility of the earth of Boeotia is to sacrifice Athamas's son with Nephili, Phrixus. So, you know, this is all going super well, and definitely there's nobody who's overreacting, and it's definitely not everyone. Athamas agrees to sacrifice his son. Again, no one is overreacting at all. Athamas's men bring Phrixus up to the nearby mountain where the sacrifice will take place. They get there, and Athamas, while sobbing heavily, has the knife to his son's own neck. When <gasps> Heracles rushes in. That's right, you heard me. It's time for a cameo by everyone's favorite Disney character. Heracles just happened to be in the neighborhood, as one does, and he rushes in at the last moment, grabbing onto Athamas's hand just as he's about to drive the knife into his own son's neck. <sighs> Wait, Heracles calls. My father, he has to name drop, you know, hates human sacrifices. Don't do it. Except this doesn't actually do much, and Athamas is still about to go through with it when a fucking golden ram sent by Hera shows up and whisks Phrixus away on his back, but not before Phrixus's sister, Heli, calls out asking to be brought with them. She doesn't feel like hanging around with her father who is about to sacrifice Phrixus. Seriously, guys, it's moments like these when I just think, God, I fucking love these people and their batshit stories. Why the fuck is Heracles there? How is it that he's not actually the one that saves Phrixus? How is it a golden fucking ram? Why is it gold? So many questions. Music. Phrixus and Heli are flying off on this golden ram. What a weird fucking sentence. They make their way to Colchis, but before they can make it, the silly woman, Heli, loses her grip on the ram's back and falls off, 
just as they're above the straits between Europe and Asia. This version I'm reading says she was giddy, and that's why, which sounds like some sexist bullshit, but regardless, she falls, and so the strait is named after her, the Hellespont, which is what we now call the Dardanelles. There is literally no other mention of Helly, no one being sad or mourning at all, just she fell, okay, bye. Anyway, Phrixus, in all his not caring about his sister's death, reaches Colchis, and there he sacrifices the golden ram to Zeus, who puts the ram into the night sky as the constellation of, you guessed it, Ares. Now, some say the ram wasn't sent by Hera, or it was, but it had its origins with Poseidon. A version tells the Poseidon wanted to have sex with a nymph, Theophany, granddaughter of Helios, the sun god, and Titan. It seems Theophany has many suitors, though, so in order to have his way, Poseidon transforms himself into a ram and Theophany into a ewe so they can fuck amongst the flocks, unnoticed by all the other men looking to marry Theophany. Ah, the lengths the gods will go to. But all to say, apparently their child together was this, the golden ram, now the constellation Ares. Phrixus settles in Colchis, becoming part of the house of Aetes, the son of Helios. Many of you will know him as the not-so-great brother of Circe. The fleece from the golden ram, which remained once the ram himself is put up into the stars, becomes famous once more later on when Medea's husband goes in search of his golden fleece with his famous Argonauts. But that's another story that, well, I've already told. Meanwhile, back on the mountain where Phrixus was about to be sacrificed, everyone who was left there was, to say the absolute least, a bit shocked. They took this rescue by a mysterious golden ram as proof that they'd been wrong, and the men who had presented the fake oracle proclamation tell the truth, explaining how Ino had bribed them to do it. Nephili, hearing this, once again calls for her husband to be killed. And again, he's just about to be sacrificed when our old pal Heracles once again is all, guys, what did I just say? My father, Zeus, doesn't like human sacrifices. So then they don't, and Athamas gets to live. Athamas' story isn't over, but this episode is because it's Game of Thrones Day, and I have so much I need to refresh my memory on, and this is a mini-myth after all, and we'll finish Athamas' story another time. Oh, nerds, thank you all for listening. It's been a little while, so here's another quick plea for you to please rate, review, and subscribe to me on iTunes. All three are equally important to spreading the love of this podcast, so I would be eternally grateful if you would do them all. As I usually clarify, too, that's if you liked it. If you're going to just go complain because you don't like that I swear or that I'm a feminist, maybe consider just not doing that and going to find a different mythology podcast because this one's mine, and I'm going to keep doing both of those things. Anyway, I love you all. You're the best. Thanks for your patience. I'll be back next week with Odysseus. And guess what? You Madeline Miller freaks. It's time for our favorite fucking witch, Cersei. 
I'm Liv and I love this shit, especially when there's an entirely pointless cameo by the gospel truth himself. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.